This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Luella. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, Second Kings chapter four will provide the the backdrop for our lesson. Over the past few weeks, uh, and this didn't begin as a series, and it's still not a series, but we're here, still here, but we've discussed several miracles performed by Elisha, and, and Elisha is one of my favorite Bible characters. One reason is because his miracles are so non-traditional, and, uh, and they seem to be packed with non-traditional truths that a lot of times aren't taught on a Sunday morning. One of the miracles we mentioned involved a couple of bears, and, and we said that a bear is just a prayer away. Remember when 42 kids made fun of Elisha for being hair-challenged, or, or in other words, for being bald, and, uh, and he cried out to God against them, and, and two bears, and, and some translations say two she-bears, mama bears, all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere, and it didn't work out very well for those 42 young people. And then there was a town similar to ours where the water was nasty. In fact, it went beyond just tasting and, and, and smelling bad. The Bible said it was toxic. Some people were dying. And, and so Elisha put salt in the water, in the water source, and miraculously the water was healed. Last week we talked about Elisha cutting a stick, throwing it into the Jordan River to cause a lost axe head to come floating up to the surface. Today we will study another very different miracle. And after last Sunday and, and after many Sundays, I, I, I have you, people tell me, text me, they, they say, well, the message, God really spoke to me this week, it was for them, and I will just be transparent with you and say that the message today is for me. If you want to listen, welcome aboard. We can just be convicted together. But we want to look at the topic of running on empty. Now, as I look around and as I talk with you, I think a lot of us are running on empty. For some of us, we're running on empty when it comes to our physical energy. We're tired all the time. That's why when you ask people, how are you? So many responses are, well, I'm tired. Or here in Cedar County, we say, I'm tired. There are a lot of people that physically are running on empty. Others are running on empty emotionally, and, and there are many factors here. I think one of the greatest contributing factors would be the challenges that have come our way due to the coronavirus. And emotionally, maybe not on you, but on me, it's done a number on me. It doesn't take much to push us over the edge, and our nerves are frayed, our patience is gone, and so when something happens, even if it's a, something minor happens, we snap, we lose it, we burst into tears, or we pop off at our kids or grandkids or mouth off at our spouse. It doesn't seem that we have much emotional margin these days. Others are running on empty because of the stress that comes from being strapped financially, and you know, at one time or another, we've probably all been there, and money problems, they just seem to take it out of us. Others are running on empty because of medical situations in their lives, and, and maybe it's an incurable disease, and, you know, I heard of somebody that has been taking chemo, and, and, and this past week they said, I'm done with chemo because 
They were sick and tired of being sick and tired. Just, just, just the cumulative results of chemo. So some have chronic pain, you know, lupus, fibromyalgia, back pain. And, and these situations cause our energy to be depleted. And sometimes we can just barely make it through the day. We just fall into bed at night. Others are running on empty because of the political nonsense in our country. And, and I know the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for our leaders. We're supposed to respect our leaders. And I try to, but frankly, sometimes I want to tell our leaders just to grow up. Anybody ever feel that way? You know, use a little bit of wisdom. Use a little bit of common sense. Use a little bit of restraint. And, and sometimes I, I want to just tell them, put a sock in it in the name of Jesus. You know, if you can't say something halfway nice or, or halfway intelligent, then don't say anything at all. And then I think a lot of us feel empty because of the new set of values and morality that's been forced upon us as a country. You know, the sanctity of marriage, where the Bible talks about one man being married to one woman until death is now so old-fashioned in our country. And then there's the whole gender issue. And you know, I probably shouldn't mention this, but it's on my mind because I read an article on this, and I wish I wouldn't have. But it used to be there were two genders, as the Bible described them in the book of Genesis, male and female, but now you have male and female, transgender, cisgender, gender fluid. And I didn't know what that was, but I found out it's people who feel they're male one day, or maybe male one hour, and then female the next. And then they have what they refer to as, I, I hesitate to say this, but gender queer, and which means they can identify as both male and female or as neither. In fact, this past week, I learned again how out of date I am. And according to some quote-unquote experts, there are up to 100 different genders. I looked at some of the words. I didn't know how to pronounce them and didn't want to know. Public places used to have two sets of bathrooms, male and female. But now you've got to have a third bathroom because there are those who no longer identify under those categories. Life has gotten so complicated, and, and in dealing with all of the above, if we're not careful, we will have the life sucked right out of us and find ourselves running on empty. And then there's the spiritual aspect. How many of us, we, we, we feel like we're running on fumes spiritually, and you know, we, we know God, we want to serve God, we're trying to read the Bible, we're trying to pray, we're, we're trying to do everything right, but, but it's like... There's just that emptiness there, and something's missing, that vibrancy. And, and if you can relate to that feeling of being empty, it's been my prayer this week that God would use this lesson to minister to you in a very special way as God ministered to me this week. To get the setting, again, I'm going to read two verses, then we'll unpack several more verses before we go home. Here's how the story begins, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he's revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Now, there are a lot of things we don't know about this lady. The first is that we don't even know her name. 
According to Jewish tradition, some believe that she could have been the wife of the prophet Obadiah. We don't know that, but, but you, you can read about Obadiah several chapters earlier. But if it is true that, that she was Obadiah's widow, then it would make sense that she was in financial need. Because when Jezebel, if you remember the story, she took up the hobby of killing prophets right and left. And Obadiah took it upon himself to try to shelter and protect the prophets of the Lord. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, we read where Obadiah hid 100 prophets in two separate caves, supplied them with food and water, which as you can imagine, feeding 100 preachers for an extended period of time could have gotten expensive and taken most, if not all, of their resources. But regardless of whether or not this was the widow of the late prophet Obadiah, we know that she had been married to a prophet of the Lord. Something else we don't know about her. We don't know her age. We assume that since she had two sons that were still living with her, she might have been in her 30s or 40s. But during that period of time, ladies tended to give birth to kids later in life than is typical today. So she could have been 50s, maybe even older. Now to what we do know. Scripture is clear that she was deeply in debt. And and as a woman in that culture, currently without a husband, she had little to no chance of securing meaningful employment. In, in that culture, women, women were basically unemployable unless they chose to take on a job of ill repute, which would be prostitution. But she was God-fearing and chose not to do that. We also know that because of her debt, her creditor was coming after her two sons. And here's what the law said. The law said that that if you couldn't pay your debts, they could take your sons as slaves, and they would be slaves until the debts were paid or until the year of Jubilee. But that didn't offer much comfort because the year of Jubilee only rolled around once every 50 years. And by the way, child slave labor is still very common in other countries. There's a missions organization of, of which I'm a member. It's called Climbing for Christ, and it was through them that I went on a missions trip to the Kilimanjaro region in Tanzania, as well as to Turkey to work with the Kurdish Muslims on the lower slopes of Mount Ararat. But part of the ministry of, of Climbing for Christ is, is to help free children in, in, in Pakistan who have been made to work as slaves in a brick factory because their parents had accumulated debt. And, and many times, unless an outside organization steps in, these children will never be able to rejoin their families. But anyway, this lady in our scripture was, was facing a situation where her sons were about to be forced into slavery because of her debts. So as we look at her situation, I don't think there would be anybody here that would dumb this down. You know, we, we would say she was facing some major, major problems, big problems. Now, j just a quick reality check. Most of us here today think we're facing some big problems, and, and some of you are. My heart goes out to some who are facing situations that are huge. But honestly, honestly, most of the problems that we call problems, most of the situations that rile us up are not major problems. Have you ever thought about the things that get you riled up throughout the week? Maybe somebody pokes along in front of you on the way to Collins and you get frustrated because you can't pass. You've got to go five miles under the speed limit all the way to Collins. For the record, that's an entry-level problem. 
entry-level problem. Or, or how about the problem of getting in the slow checkout line at Walmart or at Woods? Isn't that so maddening? The other lines are going fast and you're stuck there. Entry-level problem. How about going to a Mexican restaurant? They put onions on your burrito and you told them not to. Entry-level problem. But you still tell them off in a not-so-kind way. Or, or, or your food order takes forever, and, and because many of God's people turn into impatient, picky, unkind, wild animals when it comes to our food at restaurants. By the way, some of you have developed a reputation in restaurants. Yeah, the stories are, are kind of flowing that you are so stinking picky. Yeah, that word gets out here in a small community, but that's an entry-level problem. Your phone dies in the middle of the afternoon. Entry-level problem. Or, or the pastor preaches a long sermon that's boring. He goes into overtime. Entry-level problem. Or how about this one? The temperature here at church is one degree out of your comfort zone. And that prompts comments like, well, it's so cold in here, you can hang me. Or I'm going to start bringing my blankie. Or maybe you're experiencing your own personal summertime and you think it's blazing hot in here. Entry-level problem. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of patience here. I, I, I need, pray for me, okay? Because I need God to do a work of grace in me because when someone complains to me about the temperature in the building that it's a, a degree or two off, I don't have patience. And forgive me if I've reacted in kind of a, snippy way. And here's the reason, because I've worshipped with people in other countries where we had to wear heavy coats in the church because there was no heat. The church was in the mountains. It was so cold you could see your breath almost. And, and then I've been in other places in the jungles where we were drenched with sweat within two minutes of having entered the church. All of this without complaining. So if the temperature is not perfect for you in the church, what kind of problem is it? Say it with me. It is an entry-level problem. I shouldn't go here, but I'm on a roll. How about the pool being closed? Or how about your internet being slow? How about your movies having to buffer on Netflix? What kind of problems are these? Entry-level problems. You know, the truth is that most of the problems that rile us up are entry-level problems, but this lady was not facing an entry-level problem. Think about your children having to go into slavery. You know, it wasn't, oh man, they put onions on my burrito. This makes me so mad. This lady had a major problem. And the Bible says she cried out to, to Elisha, I've lost my husband and, and, and now I'm about to lose my sons into slavery. So what does Elisha do? Actually, let me tell you first what he didn't do. He, he didn't, didn't say, oh man, that's horrible. I'll be thinking about you. I'll be thinking about you. By the way, I know that phrase, I'll be thinking about you, is kind of our go-to phrase when someone's going through bad times. We, we say, I'll be thinking about you. It's almost kind of like new age, you know, I'll be thinking about you, you know, I'll send up some positive vibes and when I'm hurting, it's nice to know that you're thinking about me, but do you know what I'd rather have? Not your thoughts. 
I'd rather have your prayers. And I know that's just our default statement. We don't think about it, but thoughts don't change anything. Prayers do. But anyway, Elisha doesn't say, well, I'll be thinking about you. Rather, Elisha says five words. He says, how can I help you? If you want to make a difference in someone's life, a good way to start is by saying, how can I help you? In fact, if you want to make a difference in in the world, then start every day and say, God, what can I do to help someone today? Which means when someone goes through hard times or their car breaks down or, listen, they test positive for the coronavirus or they're really stressed, let's not just say, well, I'll be thinking about you. Let's say, I'm going to pray for you, but also, what can I do? Is there anything I could do to take some of the load off of you? Well, then Elisha says something very interesting. He, he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? You know, he doesn't start off and say, well, if you would have followed Dave Ramsey's financial principles or you'd have been smarter with your money and not blowing it on so many clothes. And he wasn't even like us guys. You know, when our, our wives or someone tells us a problem, what do we do? we start giving advice. I mean, we're, we're action, we're, we're fix-it oriented. You tell me your problem, I will give you advice. If you will do exactly what I tell you to do, your problem will be fixed. Ladies, don't you just hate that about us? Don't, don't say amen right now, but I, I, I've found as, as I'm nearing the sunset of my life, finally I'm learning that sometimes my wife just wants me to listen. She doesn't want all of the advice that I'm very capable of giving, she just wants me to listen. Elisha asks, how can I help? And then there's a follow-up question. He says, tell me what do you have in your house? And listen to her response. Your servant has nothing there at all. In other words, I'm running on empty. I have absolutely nothing. Isn't it interesting that when we're running on empty, whether it's physically or emotionally or spiritually or financially, we begin to see the negative in everything? And because of focusing only on the negative, we can't see the blessings we have. We're so focused on what we don't have, we can't see what we do have. Since I picked on the guys, let me pick on the ladies. You know, some ladies, and and not in this church, but in churches down the road, they walk into their closets that are full to overflowing with clothes, and, and what do they say? Help me out. I don't have anything to wear. And of course, some of them could clothe an entire African village, but you know, they're focused on what they don't have. And, and, and in a sense, that's what this poor woman was doing. What do you have? Elisha, I don't have anything. But then it's as if she remembers something she does have. And so she qualifies her statement and says, your your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a little oil. Now you say, well, what, what good is a little oil? Which probably was olive oil. Well, back in those days, olive oil had many important uses. Olive oil was used in, in cooking, as it is today. It was also used as the fuel in lamps. It was used as, from what I understand, moisturizer. I mean, you couldn't go to Bath and Body Works or wherever and get some of that smelly stuff and to squirt on your hands and your face. And 
Olive oil was also used to help keep leather pliable. It was used to keep iron from rusting. Spiritually, it was used as an offering to God. It was used to anoint people in religious services. Olive oil had many different practical uses, and she didn't have much, but she did have some. And that little bit opened the door for God to do something huge. You know, throughout Scripture, we see God taking something small, seemingly insignificant, and turning it into something big. For example, in the New Testament, after Jesus had preached to thousands of people, it was time to eat. Nobody had any food on the premises, and there was just a little lunch that a boy's mom had packed. It wasn't much, just a few pieces of bread and some small fish. And Do you remember how in the hands of Jesus, a little became a lot? They fed thousands and had 12 baskets left over. And then in the Old Testament, there, when a whole army was afraid of the Philistines because of a man named Goliath, guess who God used? A little shepherd boy who happened to stroll by when Goliath was showing irreverence to his God and, and, and David couldn't stand it that Goliath was being so disrespectful. And he said, who are you to defy God? And Goliath, everyone thinks you're too big to beat. I think you're too big to miss. And buddy, you're going down in the name of the Lord. And God used that little boy with a little faith, a little sling, a little stone to take down a big giant. So if you feel you are running on empty, you don't have much left in you, remember God can do a lot with a little So Elisha says to this lady, what do you have in your house? She said, well, just a little bit of oil. I don't know how this will speak to you, but there may be a dad in here who says, I wish I could be a better provider for my family. I work hard, but I don't make a lot of money. Maybe God is saying to you, hey, you may not make make a ton of money, but you're home seven nights a week with your children. And, And men, the most important thing is not necessarily what you bring home materially, but it's the legacy that you will leave with your family. You say, well, I don't make enough money to buy my wife a new diamond or new clothes or whatever. Listen, if you honor her and don't try to be controlling, you will not need material things to see your wife be the happiest married woman in town. So what happened next after the lady said, all I've got is a little bit of olive oil? Verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said this, Go sell the oil Pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. And this is so amazing. When she offered what little she had, God gave her everything she needed. As long as there was an empty jar, the size, the shape, the color didn't matter. What was the only requirement? The jar had to be empty. This scripture came to mind as I was studying 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure 
in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's saying that we're nothing more than clay pots. Clay pots are sometimes rough, pretty ugly, sometimes cracked. They come in different colors, different shapes, different sizes. But what is so amazing, God puts his treasure in these clay pots to show it's not the clay pot that's valuable, it's the treasure inside of these clay pots. So let's begin our wind down with a few statements. When you're running on empty, remember, first of all, to seek help from the proper source. The Bible says this lady came to Elisha. You know, the tendency when we get down, you know what the tendency is? It's to isolate. You know, I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want anybody to know my situation. I just want to be alone. And there's a time for that. But I believe this account would also help us understand that when we're running on empty, we need to seek help. If it's a medical need, go to a doctor. If you're running on empty emotionally, you may need some professional counseling. If, if you're running on empty financially, maybe you need to seek help from someone that might be able to look at your finances from a bigger perspective and see if there are some adjustments that can be made. If you're running on empty spiritually, seek someone that you have confidence in and see if they can help lead you to a place of spiritual renewal. So there are times when we need to seek help from others. Secondly, when you're running on empty, you need to focus on what you have instead of what you don't have. You know, regardless of how empty you feel, you still have a lot of blessings. Elisha asked this lady, what do you have in your house? She said, absolutely nothing. But then she realized, well, yeah, I guess I've got a little, a little bit of olive oil. And as that song says, little is much when God is in it. So if you have a roof over your head, by the way, not everybody does here in Eldorado Springs. If you have a roof over your head, if you have clothes to wear, if you have food to eat, if you have a family that loves you, don't say, I don't have anything. If you have those things, you are rich. Number three, remember that God is looking for people who are running on empty. Why? Because only when we're empty can we be filled. As long as we're full, we're not a candidate to receive the filling from God. Only when we become empty can God begin to fill us with himself. You see, when you're running on empty in our week, he's your strength. When you're grieving, he's your comfort. When you've lost your way, he's your guide. When you're spiritually hungry, he's the bread of life. When you're thirsty for something that satisfied, satisfies, he's the living water. When you're running on empty and feel your life is unstable, he is your rock. And so let me wrap things up by speaking to two groups of people. First of all, let me, uh, let me talk to those of you that find yourself like that lady in our lesson. You, you feel you're running on empty Again, empty can be good news because now you're a candidate to be filled. I remember when God called me to go into the ministry back some, quite a few years ago, and I, I didn't want to go into pastoral ministry. And I, I've told you this before, that I 
pastoring the local church was not in my 100, top 100 things I wanted to do in life. I wanted to be in ministry, but not as a pastor. But God called me into ministry, and you, you think I'm awful now. Back then, I wasn't even good enough to be considered a bad preacher. I, I was worse than a bad preacher, and, I, and I'm still bad, but just be thankful I'm your pastor now instead of 40 years ago. But early on, preparing for a message, you know, I worked, and I sweated, and I prayed, and I dug, and I digged, did everything I knew to do, and after blood, sweat, and tears, I'd get up there and preach and pretty much run out of run out of soap in 10 minutes. And I know you wish that were still the case, don't you? But it, it was amaz- amazing. I had a gift. In 10 minutes, I could cover the entire Bible. I could start in the book of Genesis and go clear to Revelation and cover every possible subject and zigzag back and forth and repeat myself and say, ah, uh, and still run out of juice. And people would go home early. And, 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 and you know, after I preached, I'd feel relieved for for about 10 minutes until I remember that I had to preach again next Sunday. And, and I'd panic because I had basically covered the entire Bible in my last message and emptied myself of everything I knew in the Bible. And I didn't know if there'd be anything else to preach on. And, but, but, but I began to learn something that this lady learned in our lesson. You know, if you will keep pouring out what God gives you, he will keep filling you up. I think I've now preached close to 4,000 sermons in this church alone. And, and as I pour out what God gives me, you know what? He begins to fill up my vessel. And sometimes I panic and sometimes I go through the weeks like, oh God, what am I going to preach on? And I feel so empty, but he's always been faithful to fill up my vessel again. There, there's an oil well in Jesus Christ that never runs dry. And if I live long enough to preach 40,000 sermons like they say John Wesley did, I have no doubt that God will keep filling me with his divine oil. So if you feel you're running on empty, the good news is you can keep on being filled by a God that never runs out of oil. The second group of people that I would like to talk to would be you everyone. This is an all-skate, okay? And and I would like for all of us to put ourselves in a position to where we can say the same thing that Elisha said, how can I help you? God, as I get out of bed in the morning, God, how can I help someone? What, What can I do today to make a difference in someone's life? And I think if we would quit focusing on our little entry-level problems of, you know, onions on our burrito and, or the church being too hot or too cold or the pool being closed, you know what? If, if we could position ourselves to where we can say to others, how can I help you? What can I do? Then I think we would be surprised how God would open doors, maybe even unexpected doors, to make a difference in someone's life. This past Tuesday, I witnessed something, and I was telling just a few people about it earlier in the week, but it, it almost left me shaking. I don't know if you've ever seen something that's just like, oh, it's so impactful. Uh, I was heading west on 54. I'd been out to pick up um, uh, a battery right near the Sacco Sage building, Gary Jones, and, and so I was coming back in. I got about 
maybe a mile, a mile and a half outside of the uh, city limits. And I came down in that little dip and there was a car that had kind of pulled over to the side of the road. This car was actually going east and uh, the, the door was open and there was a lady in the middle of the road that was waving her arms like a mad woman. I thought, what is going on? She's nuts. And so I slowed down and just started creeping up closer and I could tell she felt passionate about something and she was she, she was kind of yelling screaming and again I you know I, I, I couldn't hear because I was just coming up to it uh, in, in my car but she was gesturing and, and and there was a tractor trailer that was getting ready to pull out onto highway 54 and it was there in a the driveway and uh, so she kept gesturing and finally the the operator the, the driver got out and uh, so she was trying to communicate with him evidently he saw this woman that was you know probably thought man this woman is nuts and so he got out there and and it took just a little bit of time and then it was like there was a moment of understanding what she was trying to say and so about that time I was just kind of creeping past and I and I came in front of the tractor trailer truck the tractor trailer truck was right right there just a few feet and I got past and he ran around to the side to the passenger side and I saw him grab what looked like maybe a two-year-old child that had climbed up on the side of that tractor trailer and he grabbed that child and then I looked back in my rearview mirror in fact I turned around and came back and and this lady was just gone you could tell like this and and, um, and and again I don't know all of the details because I didn't talk with any of them it's just my observation in those few seconds as I drove by and um, but more than likely that uh, that lady's actions spared the life of a child that looked like maybe about Carter's size Carter's age spared from severe injury or perhaps death now I don't know if that lady had prayed that prayer in the morning God how can I help someone today or not I don't know if that was her prayer and I didn't even know the lady didn't recognize her but I I know that more than likely she saved a little child's life and she drove by and God directed her attention to the passenger side right there where that child had climbed up on the side of that tractor trailer and I, I, I don't know what went through. I don't know the lady, but, you know, I, I believe that we need to put ourselves in a posture and a position to where God can use us like that. And the way that God will use us this week may not be as dramatic, but, but it could be the means to making a difference in someone's life. So what I'm challenging us to do today is to take the little bit of oil that we have, and it may not be much, but give it to God and and see what he does with us. And if you, if we will do this, if we will take an interest in people, say, how can I help you? I believe that it will be the means to just people seeing that, you know, there's something different about a child of God. And so as we, as we go to our final prayer, if you're on empty, Why don't you just tell God about that? Say, God, I want to be filled right now. I want to be filled with you, filled with your presence, filled with your spirit. 
But then also, could we just make a commitment, God, this week, this week, I will position myself to where I can be used to help someone else. Let's pray together. Father, I want to just thank you for, I want to thank you for your presence. What an amazing time of worship as the praise band led us, I feel, to the very throne of grace. Lord, I thank you for that amazing special song that just ministered to my heart so much. Lord, I thank you for your word that ministered to me this week. And Lord, sometimes I feel like I am running on empty. And I think a lot of us feel that way. And Father, I just ask that this week we would be candidates as empty people, Lord, that you would just come and fill us. And Lord, would you give us the desires of our heart? Give us, would you meet our needs? And wherever we're empty, however it is, Father, I pray that you would just fill us. And especially, Lord, would you fill us with your precious Holy Spirit? God, I want to thank you for what you're doing for us. I thank you for the way that you're keeping our community safe. And God, as we go, as we navigate these uncertain waters, I just pray that we would follow King Jesus. Lord, thank you for showing up here today. We love you. Fill us with your spirit. And Lord, allow us to help someone this week. Lord, thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.